0: in Jesus' name, I'm Bishop Chester Wright and this is the video teaching series Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 3 This is lesson number 4 of Part 3 And in this lesson we will continue our examination of Paul's description of a delivered life A life delivered from sh- sin and a life delivered unto life in Christ Jesus Reading now from Romans chapter 6 verse 15. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were not the servants of, that ye were the servants of sin. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin... For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. The Amplified says, what then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live under the law? We live not under the law, but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. It is ludicrous that some people have so perverted the gospel and perverted the grace of God into it becoming a license to sin. I'm under grace. God's going to love me just like I am no matter what I do. Yes, that's true. But if I habitually continue to do that, he eventually will stop striving with man because he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. Well, that's Old Testament. Then why in the, in the book of Romans chapter 1 are there three separate occasions when the Lord said he gave them up. He gave them over. And these were people who had known the grace of God, known the things of God. Read chapter 1, and you'll see this. These are those who had the truth, but they suppressed it. They didn't want the truth working truth in them because they wanted to live their own life, do their own thing. But you can eventually reach a place of deception where you can believe that you're living by the flesh, but it's okay with God. That is a lie from the pits of hell. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Again, verse 15, Amplified. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under the law, but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are slaves of him whom you obey? Whether that be To sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, doing right and right standing with God. There it is. I've been saying this in previous lessons. Here it is. The Amplified translated says it very clearly. If I continually surrender, habitually surrender myself to anyone to do that person's will, I'm their slave. And then he took that context or that understanding that we have naturally and say, if you're doing that with sin, then you're the slave of sin and being the slave of sin leads to death, not life, not salvation. And, but if we yield ourselves, the servants of God in obedience unto righteousness, obedience, it, we will be led to righteousness and in other words, if we yield ourselves to God, he will produce right doing and right standing with him through us. He will make us pleasing to him. He will make us acceptable in the beloved, according to Ephesians. But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed, and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and thought, purpose, and action. One more time, I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 again. But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have been, become obedient, unto, uh, obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching In which you were instructed and to which you were committed. So, teaching is supposed to, the word of God, teaching of the word is supposed to bring us to this place. But Titus 3 also says that the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live under righteousness and holiness in God. That's not an exact quote. But the grace of God teaches us to not obey the flesh but obey the spirit. The grace of God instructs us. The word of God instructs us. But thank God, through though you you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. I cannot live by iniquity, which is doing my own will and not the Father's will, according to Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 21 through 23. I cannot be the servant of righteousness and be the servant of iniquity too. They are the opposites to one another. If I am the servant of iniquity, I'm doing my will. If I'm the servant of righteousness, I'm doing the will of God. I'm living in conformity to the divine will of thought, purpose, and action. But I can't produce that in me on a daily basis. I have to die out to my flesh. Let the spirit of God, uh, work, the, the love of God, working by the spirit of God in my life to produce in me to both will and to do of his good pleasure. That's called grace. The grace of God has to empower me, but I've got to... Let it. And I'm not going to let it while I'm still trying to prove I can do it. That's why I have to be brought to the end of myself. I have to be brought to the end of myself. I have to, by the grace of God, be crucified with Christ in dying out to my old man. Verse 19, I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. So Paul's using this terminology of being slaves to sin and being subjects to a king and his authority and rulership. He's, he's I'm using this natural terminology, this human terms that, that, that we're familiar with, because of our natural limitations. For as ye yield yourselves, as you ye, as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity, and ever ever increasing lawlessness. So now yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing which leads to sanctif uh, which leads to sanctification. For when we were you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. That's a strange way of putting it, isn't it? If I'm a slave of sin. I don't have any righteousness. When it says I'm free for righteousness, that means I'm absent it in its influence. Righteousness has no influence on me if I'm a slave to sin. We reads it this way. What then? Shall we sin occasionally because we're not under the law but under grace? Away with the thought. Do you not know that to whom ye put yourselves at the disposal of as slaves resulting in obedience with whether slaves of the sinful nature. Excuse me. I got to read that again. I skipped a line. Do you not know that to whom you put yourselves at the disposal of as slaves resulting in obedience slaves, you are to whom you render habitual obedience, whether slaves of the sinful nature resulting in death or obedient slaves of Christ, resulting in righteousness. Who do I want to be under the power of? Well, I want to be under my own power. Well, that's not possible. Not now. It's not, not now. It's not. It's not possible. I'm either going to be a slave of sinful nature and self-will, or I'm going to be the slave of God. I'm going to be under the power of one of those. My, I have a choice. I do have the right to choose. But the choice is not a third choice. Self-will is the same thing as living under the sinful nature. Self-will is the same thing as living under the sinful pleasures. Doing what self wants, flesh wants. But if I, the only way I can live the life God wants to live through me is to submit to God and let Him do that because I can't do that. And this is the this is the sad thing. When I talk about this self-will life and this servant of sin, most of the time we think, okay, well, that's doing bad things and not doing good things. No. It is trying to be a Christian by flesh, trying to do what's right wrong motives. It's, it's understood that a person that gives themselves over habitually to sin is, uh, is not pleasing to God. But this whole chapter on the delivered life is talking people, talking about being delivered from trying to do righteous things and win approval from God and earn acceptance from God by the, the ability of the flesh to do right and get bragged on. Versus acknowledging, I can't do this. I've become poor in spirit. I have true spiritual humility. I acknowledge, I can't do this. So I give up, I give up doing it myself. I give up trying to do it myself. I give up trying to earn it and simply become his servant or subject so that. He lives at all the things that He wants me to do according to His Word. He lives them through me. How hard is it for God to live by His own Word? How hard is it? It's it's not only hard for us to live by His Word, it's impossible. Well, yeah, being a Christian is hard. No, being a Christian is not hard, it's impossible. There's not one thing he's told us to do or expects of us to do in the entire Bible we can do ourselves. Not one thing. So that's why sin is missing the mark. I can't do that. Those that aren't even trying, we're not even talking about them. That's what happens when we're yielding him. He he can bring them out of their darkness into his marvelous light. But we're talking about us that's supposed to be in light. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about us having to come out of this place where we're trying to do this ourselves. Man had the entire Old Testament as the opportunity to please God by obeying his word. And yet, from the beginning, God knew flesh. That's why the scripture says we were made a little lower than the angels because we were made with flesh. Angels didn't have flesh. That's why when Lucifer made his wrong decision, it was done. He was done for. It was over with. Period. End, end of story. Sometimes when in the past years, when he's tried to condemn me because of my struggles, well, you, you just can't get this right. You might as well give up. The Lord said to me, him one day, said to me, why don't you ask him, uh, what not you say to him? Isn't it awesome? That I can struggle like you're pointing out and yet I can be forgiven every time I sin? You sin once and you're done. How, what do you think of that, devil? With all of my struggles that you're so, uh, intently pointing out to me, I can be forgiven of every one of those. I can still go to heaven with all of those failures. You blew it one time and it's done for you. Every time that's ever, I've ever done that. He quit talking. He quit talking. Why? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's not God. He is not God. He is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's none of those things. Everything we be- that man believes him to be is a lie because we believed his lie. That's why the Bible says when we see him, We're going to say, is this the one that caused all this trouble? I'm paraphrasing there. Is this the one? Yeah, he caused all that trouble because we believed his lies. Now, he uses our flesh against us. The devil can't make us do anything. He uses our flesh against us. And he uses the unsurrendered, unsubmitted will of believers against them, because he feeds that just like he did Eve. You know, God just—he's afraid you'll be like him. You'll be a god, and so he's going to deprive you of some stuff so that you don't, uh, you don't, you can't compete with him. What a lie! He's not really going to kill you. He's just trying to threaten you to intimidate you and not do it. That's the way the devil operates. He, he, he threatens, he tries to intimidate because he doesn't have power. If you have power, you don't need to intimidate. (laughs) If you have power, you have power. And anybody knows you have power. They're going to give you a wide berth. If they're afraid, if they're not, if they're afraid, they're vulnerable uh, to whatever it is you're doing, you give you a wide berth or, they're gonna get on. They're gonna join your team, right? You got guys that play sports all their lives and never win a championship, and the team they're on is always a weak team. Well, in this this time called free agency, because in my childhood and early years, free agency wasn't an option. But now, guys can join teams that are winners. You got great players who never win championships because they were never on a good team. Well, let me tell you something. When you know God is the winner, you're going to want to get on his team when you really accept that and believe that. But (laughs) the only way we can please him is to let him live that through us. We says it this way. We says it this way. What then? Shall we sin occasionally? Because we're, I think I've already read this, didn't I? Uh But I'll read it again What then shall we sin occasionally Because we are not under the law but under grace Away with the thought Do you not know that to whom you put yourselves At the disposal of as slaves resulting in obedience Slaves you are to whom you render habitual obedience Whether slaves of the sinful nature resulting in death Or obedient slaves of Christ resulting in righteousness But God be thanked that whereas you were slaves of the evil nature You obeyed from the heart as a source of a type of teaching into which you were handed over. And having been set free once for all from the sinful nature, you were constituted slaves to righteousness. I am using an illustration drawn from human affairs because of the frailties of your humanity. Okay, so slavery is repulsive. Okay, he's only using that to help us understand that if we want all the good things of God, we got to give ourselves to God. And that may be repulsive to the mind, but to be his, to belong to him, for him to be totally responsible for us, to please him, to have his righteousness, peace, and joy, his love, his gracious goodness, mercy. Oh, that's not repulsive at all. For when you were... I'll read verse 19 again. I am using illustration drawn from human affairs because of the frailties of your humanity. For just as you placed your members as slaves at the disposal of uncleanness and lawlessness or iniquity resulting in lawlessness, uh, thus now place your members as slaves at the disposal of righteousness resulting in holiness. For when you were slaves of the sinful nature, you were though, you were those who were free with respect to righteousness. And then finally, the easy-to-read version. So what should we do? Should we sin because we're under grace and not under the law? Certainly not. Surely you know that you become the slaves of whatever you give yourselves to. Anything or anyone you follow will be your master. You can follow sin or you can obey God. Following sin brings death, but obeying God makes you right with him. In the past, you were slaves to sin. Sin controlled you. But thank God you fully obeyed what you were taught. You were made free from sin, and now you are slaves to what is right. I use the example from everyday life because you need help in understanding spiritual truths. In the past you offered the parts of your body to be slaves to your immoral and sinful thoughts. The result was that you lived only for sin. In the same way you must now offer yourselves to be slaves to what is right. Then you will live only for God. In the past, you were slaves to sin, and you did not think about doing right. And finally, the last portion of chapter 6, beginning with verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God... You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Amplified says it this way. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But then what benefit return or return did you get from the things which you are now ashamed? I, I, I got the pleasure, but I ended up with shame. None of the uh, uh, none for the end of those things is death. I did. I got no long lasting benefit. Huh. We eat stuff for taste. How long does it stay in our mouths? If you're like me, it kind of eats fast. Those few seconds in the mouth are not worth an eternity on the hips, right? Or hanging over the belt. I, but I cannot overcome that through shame. I can't shame myself in losing weight. I can't shame myself in doing light, right? I have to have, be empowered. I need the grace of God to enable me to do that. So verse 22 says, but now since you have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you are, you have your present reward in holiness and its end eternal life. Holiness means I belong to God. I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. If I'm bragging about my separation and judging either other people by my separation, that's my reward. I don't belong to God. Because if I am set apart from the world and some, from sin and set apart unto God, which is the definition of holiness, the motive in that is to belong to God and him be glorified. And he said, don't judge another man's servant. So my motive is proven by my attitude toward myself now that I am holy and my attitude toward others. Holiness is not the problem. Separation is not the problem. It's wrong motive, wrong attitude. Who am I separated? What am I separated from and who am I separated unto? Am I separated from others and separated unto myself, O glorious one that I am, look at me. Is is that what my holiness says? Look at me. Does my attitude and spirit, which is manifested in my separation, say, look at God. He loves you. He cares about you. He's willing to forgive you and help you. Holiness leads to salvation. A wrong attitude about separation produces death. It's not the separation that's the problem, my friend. It's the attitude. And then we get back to verse 23 again. For the wages of sin is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through, through or in union with Jesus Christ our Lord. You can buy the pleasure of sin by paying the ultimate price of death. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. That death. That's one way of saying it. Here is another way of saying it. The wages of sin is death. Sin gives you pleasure, but it expects to be paid. And it's not willing. It and pleasure is not on sale today. The price and the pleasure of sin is never marked down. And the only way you and I ever escape not paying the penalty or the wages of sin is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him set us free and to avail ourselves by faith and obedience and submission to him of the price he paid to set us free so we can serve him and not sin. We says it this way. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of the sinful nature, you were those, you were those who were free for, with respect of righteousness. Therefore, what fruit were you having then upon the basis of which things now you're, you, now you are ashamed? For the cons- consummation of these things is death. But now, having been set free from the sinful nature and having been made bond slaves to God, you are having your fruit resulting in holiness and the consummation eternal life. So the consummation of sin and its pleasure is death. There's pleasure in God. It's much, much greater pleasure. It's longer lasting pleasure. Pleasure in sin is called fun. Pleasure in righteousness is called happiness. That was Psalm 16, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. But I can't have these till I acknowledge this, this pleasure of sin is only for a season, and the wages, the admission price for that is death. But the consummation of righteousness is eternal life. The consummation of giving myself to sin and being its servant is death. The consummation of of uh, righteousness and giving myself to righteousness is life eternal. For the subsistence pay which the sinful nature doles out is death. But the free gift of God is life eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. And then finally, the easy-to-read version. In the past, you were slaves to sin. In the past, you were slaves to sin. And you did not even think about doing right. You did evil things. And now you're ashamed of what you did. Did those things help you? No, they only brought death. But now you're free from sin. You have become slaves of God. And the result is that you live only for God. This will bring you eternal life. For when people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. But God gives his people a free gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This concludes not this series of lessons, but this examination of Romans 6, the the description of the the, uh, life of pure motives, So in the next lesson, we're going to talk about what Paul's life was like before his deliverance so that we can fully understand the impact of his deliverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, I loose upon you and me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what the hope of our calling is. That we would know what his riches are in the inheritance of the saints. That we would know how exceedingly great his power is to us who believe. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him far above all principality and power and might, dominion, and every name that is named. And then also according to Ephesians, he's made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Hath, not will hath made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that we might be blessed that, and, and hath blessed us. It's already done with all spiritual blessings. That's what God has done for you and me but he wants us to be able to live in that every day and walk in that every day and enjoy that every day. Life in him and his life in us and his life and faith flowing through us as, so that we are a part of him part of his kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you. Amen.